Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, October 9th. Happy Canadian Thanksgiving to all of our friends out there. And happy Columbus slash Indigenous Peoples Day to our friends south of the border. I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? Doing well. I know it was an American holiday today. Is that there was a newsletter I was waiting on from one place I like and didn't get it. Are they off today? Uh, I think it's a mixed bag federal Mm. holiday in some states. Mm. Some companies observe it, some don't. Uh, Majority of the people that I work with definitely do not observe it because my inbox was looking scary for uh, this week. Only got a three-day week, so it's going to be jam-packed, but can't focus on that yet. Got to enjoy (laughs) the last couple hours of the weekend while I still have them. Yes, sir. Yeah. Cool. Anything you get up to in this frightening fall weather now that we're in spooky season, it's cold? Yeah, no, there was about 80 millimeters of rain, and that was all the excuse I needed to just shut the windows, stay indoors, and not think too much about going outside. Fair enough. Uh, Yeah, saw some family for the Thanksgiving weekend, but yeah, just recovering from the wisdom teeth surgery on Friday. Mm -hmm. uh, People are watching the YouTube, they can see my abnormally swollen face and it will start bruising here at down at the bottom. I might have to keep the facial hair for a bit to cover hey. that up. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm rocking some right now. It It's more laziness on my end than anything oh, else. But Same here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like it. You got like a little patch going. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> it'll probably be gone in the next hour or so once we jump off here <laughs> all right well more stupid and terrible but we won't dwell on that because the nhl regular season kicks off tomorrow night owen crept up on us the sports calendar is back a couple Let's games go. happening tuesday night before i think the majority of the league has the puck drop wednesday to get their seasons well and started looking forward to it Oh, without a doubt. Now, the NHL oftentimes gets put to the back burner on this pod for basketball, for tennis, for football, other sports. Um, It's a core sport here in Canada. And most folks, it's it's their number one topic of conversation when I'm at work or out on the street. So uh, you always have to stay somewhat in tune with it. So looking forward to another season, but it's it's tough to buy in when you're cheering for a team that consistently has heartbreak and failure and i know that's sports most of the time right only one team can win out of 32 in the nhl's case but uh, we need to see some positive progress from our leafers this year if if we want to get people buying back in to the nhl in the gta yeah it's you just you want to see progress with your team more than anything else i think you want to look at last season and look at what happens in between then and now and build some sort of story and the story if you're a leafs fan for a long time has just been hitting a brick wall uh full speed ahead again and again and again uh, we got a taste of that brick wall shattering last off season and then rewound the clock right back to the same team from all those first round exits uh, and then again, like another very typical offseason with some small moves with uh, the Matthews extension commits to the blueprint the team's been under for the past few years. 
This is still on team, on paper, a team that is far too good to really have questions or concerns about their playoff eligibility. I think this season you can make a very good argument that they should be the favorites to win their division. And that's a real first. We haven't um, so much of their surge has been under the shadow of particularly the Bruins and the Lightning, though I know the Panthers have snagged a presidents and division trophy in there as well. Uh, there hasn't been any season where you can cleanly and clearly make the argument that the Leafs are the best team in the division. Now, the Florida Panthers knocked them out of the playoffs yeah. and then made a trip to the Stanley Cup finals. Yeah. So just based off that, you can argue that they're the better team. Um, but I think the Schrodinger's nature of Sergei Bobrovsky, is he a great goalie? Is he a below average goalie? Uh, kind of both at the same time always, and you never really know what performance you're going to get bodes well for the Leafs over a full season. Um, and they did, they were the better team in the regular season before that. So I think you can toss the coin either way. And if I'm a Leafs fan looking for a storyline this regular season, that's probably it. Like, let's see a comfortable dominant run at the division, maybe even at the presidents. Um, because other than that, it's just like expect that second, third round playoff matchup. Know who you're going to play somewhere between 30 to 50 games into the regular season. And then just watch and wait. Um, not too much other than that from the boys in blue and white to excite me. Oh, I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I expect the Leafs to end up in a similar spot where they'll likely be playing Tampa in the first round and then have Florida in the second round if they can get through Tampa. Like Florida, I expect to finish one. The Leafs perform well in the regular season, but still haven't had that breakaway dominant regular season. And so I, I don't feel like this is upcoming, especially with some of the concerns I have with their lineup at the defensive end. The piece that I'm most looking forward to with this team is we finally have the new wave injection of talent underneath this core four, right? Matthews, Marner, Nylander were really the... And I guess you could add in Kapanen and Andreas Janssen and guys like that. That wave that came in from the rebuild was that youth wave. And those guys are all hitting the prime of their career. And now these there's up and comers that they're fitting into the uh, walls uh, uh, around the edges that I'm excited to see give a, a jolt of life to this team because I think they really need it. So that's obviously Matthew Nyes and Nick Robertson, two guys who have given, who have had early shots as rookies um, in playoff hockey, but we we will see them Matthew Nice for sure in the lineup and then Robertson up and down this year he just he's waivers exempt so he's going to go up and down a lot this season uh, no fault of his own it's just easier for cap management and not having to waive anyone he's got to um, stay healthy and then shout out to Fraser Minton who legitimately earned a spot on this team through camp uh leading the Leafs to trade Sam Lafferty to the Vancouver Canucks a couple days ago uh, for a fifth round pick to Vancouver. And, and that was because of the play and performance of Minton in training camp. And just adding these guys who truly care so much about making this roster, I'm hoping it can break into the complacency we've seen the last couple of years with this team and, and give them that renewed sense of joy and excitement for what this season has in store. Uh, so yeah, just excited to see the youth movement um, underneath the Leafs, which is Kind of not what we were expecting. We thought they were over with it when they had all these uh, 
core guys hitting the primes of their career. But that's the key to a team is you need to have this new influx of talent consistently coming in. You need to have that pipeline strong. Um, even while you trade picks out the window, you have to find other guys in other places and later round picks that can come and produce. And um, that's what I'm hoping the Leafs can sustain so that it's not just this window of six, seven years and then, oh, we got to tear it down again, right? Some of these teams like the Bruins have been around forever because they just consistently keep finding guys, putting in in places and, and having that uh, consistent system that keeps them at the top of the charts every year. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bruins are right in the playoff mix again, even with losing Bergeron. Yeah, that another team that I'm watching and looking for because, yes, the Bruins have hit a cap crunch and had to lose a lot of the star power that made that roster that made NHL history last season. But this was not a roster that was built to do great or extraordinary things heading into last regular season. They were a comfortable middle-of-the-pack playoff pick for most people. I think us included, there was even questions of if they'd really be in full playoff contention. And again, same as Bobrovsky, uh, Linus Allmark just as a career year and really helps but this entire system steps up and so watching the bruins this season it's going to be a question of was that a fluke was the roster undervalued or is there just something about this system that really works and lets players slot in and out um and all operate on the same wavelength on the same core ideology on the same system I, I think it's impossible to ask for anything close to what they did last regular season. Um, but on paper, I think there's a lot of questions and doubts about if this can even be a comfortable playoff team. So let's see if they start the regular season at least in that, and then we'll withdraw or heighten our expectations off that. Yeah, I'm, I'm flip-flopping right now between Tampa and Boston for the third spot in the Atlantic Division. Obviously, with Vasilevsky being out the first two months of the season, mm -hmm. that really impacts Tampa's ability to get out of the gates uh, to a quick start. You have obviously have a fantastic team in front of the goaltender, uh, but that's going to certainly raise some question marks for them early days. And I think Boston could have a a start. Well, last year they had an unprecedented start to the season, right? Yeah. Um, a record season that ended ended in disappointing fashion. But they came out the gates and basically didn't lose for a month. And it put them on the map, and I could see it very well happening again with the team that they have and the goaltending they have, right? Swayman and Allmark are a fantastic one-two punch that are just going to give you a good goalie performance night in and night out. And so uh, while I think they end up being the number one wildcard team, I certainly could see them in the mix here. Uh, and, and yeah, this Vasilevsky score is one to keep an eye on. And obviously when I go into those picks, I do have Florida at the top of the division for this year. Yeah, and the thing on the Panthers for me I'm watching for is I, I hate to take NBA logic into the NHL, but really my eyes are on Matthew Kachuk with this team. Uh, just such a blossoming into full superstar potential and all the marketing, all the media coverage uh, that like driving those optics and uh, supporting the play that he had throughout the regular season for sure that uh, just remained so admirably consistent in the playoffs and pushed him over that edge. Having made that kind of progress, can he keep his place entrenched in the league that he set up and become 
at least in the next few years, like perennial at that status and be one of the league leaders because that's a crazy place to be in and not as good as he was on the Flames, not a level I had him projected to ever reach. Mm. Uh, I think the number one status or spot for the Panthers is going to ride hugely on that. Mm. Yeah, uh, and and obviously if Bobrovsky can... Is it going to be an on-season or an off-season? That remains to be seen as well. Yeah. I, the Atlantic Division overall as a story, I think, for me, is some of those top contenders feel like they've gotten a little bit weaker, whereas the bottom of the division is continuing to move up in what their expectations are, right? Buffalo had a surprisingly fun season last year, and they're looking to build on that with a great core that they've got there. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens take one more step forward uh, in their development, right? Caulfield and Suzuki are as good of a one-two punch as anyone in that division. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings, a ton of young talent that they're all trying to take a step forward with. And then the Ottawa Senators were a team that a lot of people had sneaky pick to make the playoffs last year. They had a bit of a disaster season in terms of injuries, goaltending, all that other stuff. But new ownership, new excitement injected into that market with just a fresh face and a fresh vision. And uh, will it apply to on-ice results early? Uh, that remains to be seen, but it, it could be a pretty fun season overall in terms of parity in the Atlantic Division. I could see some, definitely some surprising teams in there. Uh, or we could stick chalk, but just have a lot of entertaining Saturday night watches as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like the Red Wings as a dark horse. I think the Canadians are so obviously broadcasting the intention to be patient, be slow. They're not in any rush that it almost feels like just the way nature or fate or something works that like mm -hmm. someone's going to get hot. A few someone's are going to get hot and it's just going to, that's going to be all it takes to take that league ahead. And by contrast, like it seems so obvious that it is the Ottawa Senators time to emerge uh, that you just wonder how they're going to fumble it against teams that aren't the Maple Leafs because they always do very well against the Maple Leafs. Hmm. Uh, and I think Buffalo has managed to escape all logic at this point. Yeah. So I is definitely mostly on the Atlantic division for myself. Yeah. Naturally, as um, Leafs fans. But who? what's kind of your main story in the Metro? The Metro, I, I'm just hanging on to those Penguins, Crosby, Malkin days and wondering if this Carlson edition can shake the chemistry up and like allow for one more push we were talking before the pod about how it does feel like any team's league and like the vegas golden knights kind of showed like you win one playoff series you win two playoff series you just get things going the right way and you can really become a favorite quite quickly uh in the stanley cup playoffs you just have to get there and arrive healthy enough as a team with solid enough goaltending and that's kind of what i feel like the penguins did on their last run they weren't doing anything extra special in the regular season they had made these moves to get kessel and then matt murray just came out of nowhere and uh the super hyped offense and roster just went going uh, I'd love to see Sid and Malkin give it one more run. And I'm really curious to see what Carlson does for this all offense and just bolstering the blue line. 
They came very close. Uh, the Florida Panthers shouldn't even have made the playoffs last regular season. Oh, I think it was a game against the Chicago Blackhawks that the Penguins fumbled and allowed the Panthers to get that wild card spot in against the Bruins. Uh, they've got to be reflecting on that so bitterly based on how those playoffs shook out. Uh, so expecting to see a rededicated effort from the get-go for this Penguins squad. Yeah, I see the Penguins actually hovering around where they were last year. Uh, I don't know if Carlson was really an upgrade, whereas it was a, a lateral move to an extent. Uh, it remains to be seen if he can once again turn back Father Time and perform at the level that he hadn't shown the five years before that. Uh, obviously, it'd be very exciting for them if he did, but I think Carolina, New Jersey, and the New York Rangers are all better, more complete teams that the Penguins are going to have to sludge through to to get one of those top three spots in the Metro. And and New Jersey is going to score a ton of goals, uh, but I think Carolina is the best team in this division, most complete yeah. team. And, and things are actually opening in the East. I think Carolina benefits out of anyone the most on the the step back of Tampa and Boston because um, they're another team similar to the Leafs camp where they just haven't been able to get over that hump and uh, their team's been so good for so many years now this this could be this could be their time yeah I completely agree with that I think there is this trend in the NHL of seeing these teams just hit the wall again and again make strides uh, but kind of stay out of everyone's inner list their most favorites the best teams and then something clicks and it's their year and the canes have kind of put themselves in that category with the consistency that they've had um a, a team in their prime though like sooner rather than later you're hoping mm -hmm. if you're a fan i don't know how many years they have left before or uh they start to go on the downswing and then this has been a mostly Eastern-centric list. We talked about the Bedard hype to keep an eye on the Blackhawks last week. Yeah. Uh, in the West, always got to keep one eye on my Dallas Stars. Uh, after a top-four finish in the league last season, nothing to turn your nose up at. We were talking in the beginning of this hockey segment about the ability to transition your team from one era to another, staying competitive all the way through. I think dallas is at the end of that process uh having gone from the years of jamie ben tyler sagan john klingberg ben bishop uh into this new era with not jason robertson not nick robertson mm -hmm. uh jake odinger miro Hiskinen. uh J they've done it in an interesting way in that the joe pavelski signing has been huge for them and paid out way bigger dividends than i think anyone projected uh trading for guys like evgeny dadnoff signing ryan Suter, they've been injecting old blood to make this transition happen but these young guys are leading most of the stats this year we expect fallout uh from the older players at this point in their career but it feels like they've bolstered the roster with enough talent and done well enough in the scouting in the picking uh that there's room for that new crop of players to get better and keep the ship level and right uh as the older players age out uh, they had a good run a chance at the division last year second best 
uh, finish in the West in the playoffs, looking to see if they can keep that up. And then last off, because it is still McDavid's league, we have to talk about the Edmonton Oilers, the team the most talented player in the league continues to waste himself on, continues Hmm. to not figure it out on. I don't know what you want to put in here. I know Connor McDavid is far too entertaining to look away. And just, it's a different sport than all those other ones where Connor McDavid can be, without a doubt, the most talented hockey player in the world. Um, But true Stanley Cup finals still seem like a stretch of the imagination for the Edmonton Oilers. They were swept by Vegas, no? In the... Western Conference final this year? Uh like the second round, I think. Okay. Cause I thought they had done some things to improve the ceiling of what this team could be. Uh took some healthy steps forward compared to previous years. And partially that is McDavid being the absolute god tier of his career right now. This this is the best he's ever gonna be, and the best that you may ever see play in, in the NHL for any of the younger viewers, right? Um, in a mostly uninspiring Western Conference, if we're being completely honest, I have four teams that I think legitimately have a shot at making the Stanley Cup final. And that's obviously the Stars, who are tied with the Oilers and the Hurricanes for the number one odds right now uh, to win the Stanley Cup this season. Oilers is purely uh, a market wow. betting on McDavid rather than the team itself. Um, it's so. like people betting on the Cowboys. And then... Uh, the Colorado Avalanche, a team I think that few people forgot about because McKinnon injury and and obviously the uh, oh his name's escaping me now Landis Gog injury and and uh, situation there that, that that's still a really really strong team that fought against injuries and had a a tough hangover from a Stanley Cup victory and I think they'll be right back in it and then speaking of Stanley Cup victors you can't rule out the Vegas Golden Knights who didn't lose any significant pieces to their team and are ready to run it back again. So it's, it's, it's Edmonton, Vegas and Dallas, Colorado at the top of those two divisions for me from there. It's going to be fun to see one of these teams, hopefully take a step forward, a younger team like Vancouver, like Seattle, like Anaheim, uh, like LA. And then on the other side, like I can't root for Chicago but just from an NHL perspective, that is the team that they want to jump into the playoff picture, uh, along with the Winnipeg Jets and the St. Louis Blues as some up-and-coming teams. I mean, the Blues really just did a retool. They didn't, weren't down for that many years, but they've got a solid solid young forward core. Their decor is not young. Um, and then some really weird situations like Arizona. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, Minnesota is now in that cap hell that we talked about two years ago, right? With the Parise and Suter buyouts, they now have no cap space to work with. And so they're they, still they, doing better than like <laughs> half the West though. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be crazy to see what, what, how like, this turns out. And I'm, I'm really fascinated about the Western conference. I just don't have any faith that any of those teams besides the four I mentioned are going to make a deep run. Yeah, like the Minnesota Wild should not be getting picked above the Anaheim Ducks at this point and where they are yet. I would take the Wild over the Ducks for sure. I guess you give them the experience edge. Uh, Last thing to wrap up the hockey bit, bit of contract news. The Winnipeg Jets 
signed Mark Scheifele and Connor Hellebuck to identical contracts, seven years with an $8.5 million average cap hit for each of those years. This comes as the team's kind of slowly been dumping old faithful piece one after another, like figuring out something's not working, looking like they were heading to a rough place. Uh, It comes as a shock to me, especially both of them at the same time uh, for the same amount. Uh, This shores up. I, I always take the floor. You always take the ceiling and what this does for a team. Bit of both for sure. Surprised to see Hellebuck go for the same as Shifley and not more. Um, but I think if you have a franchise located in a spot like Winnipeg, you have to be happy when you can retain yeah. talent. And when it's homegrown players as well, there's some extra bonus there. So overall, this seems like a win for the franchise and for the fans and will help keep the team in contention and uh like ending up on as some of those Western teams we just discussed. Yeah, you knock off a little bit of AAV with the term, but overall two really tidy pieces of business, especially with the cap set to go up in the next three, four years. Um, Hellebuck obviously near the top of the pack in terms of goalies and what he could make, but I think they kind of went off of each other with this deal, right? You could say these these are the two best or most important players on the team. And they couldn't offer one more than the other. I'm sure they looked at it when talking. It's why uh, Matthews had to make more than Marner and all those other guys because he's the top dog. I don't know if these two had an alpha between them. And so they had to get the same number. And I'm sure there was communication between all three parties, the two representation and the team that said, hey, let's work on something that helps everyone out, makes everyone happy. Um, They get that done. And uh yeah, not much more to be said other than I think it's a couple of solid deals. I worry about Shifley making 8.5 towards the end of his career, especially already with the defensive yeah. prowess that he lacks. But um, before we move on here, Max, I just I need to know your your Stanley Cup prediction for the NHL 23-24 season. Man, uh, I'll go Canes and... Man, I don't know. Canes and Avs. All right. Then, so here's my wisdom tooth, teeth, wisdom teeth high pick is Edmonton, Toronto. <laughs> oh, that that's cursed. <laughs> and then, After the fucking three-day cycle of Canadian media news, that is cursed. Yeah, yeah. and then I think if we're talking uh, the rational side of my brain uh probably go just to be a little different from you we'll go stars against the new york rangers all right i hope the wisdom tooth surgery didn't keep your eyes away from the nfl world too too much this weekend no definitely still have my eye on the nfl world especially with fantasy i mean we already talked about it i'll I'll kick off my fantasy player of the week was feeling good playing the 0-4 team in my league going into Thursday night. They've got a couple Bears players on their team, right? 0-4 Bears, not a great team. And DJ friggin' Moore puts up 51 to start off my Thanksgiving weekend. And it was like, 
I just got punched in the gut and then I had teeth removed. Like who knows what that pain feels like? Oh wait, I had to endure it twice this weekend. My opponent's about to drop 200 points in our league. And I was telling Max, I don't think I've ever seen a score that high. And it comes from this frigging guy who hasn't done a single thing all year. Goes for three touchdowns, 51 fantasy points. If you have DJ Moore, you're you're set for the week. What a performance from him. Gets my fantasy MVP player of the week. Uh, and the Bears get their first win of the season on Thursday over the Washington Commanders. Moving on, a couple of important playoff wins for some teams. Jacksonville Jaguars shocked the Buffalo Bills in London. I think they had the advantage of sleep being there uh, for two weeks in a row, whereas the Bills traveling Friday night uh, for the game. And it showed uh, they just didn't operate as crisply as you would hope, and the Jaguars did. And they get a big win there to put their season back on track. Uh, and then in the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers get a surprise win over the Ravens, who had dished out a couple of important wins themselves against Cincinnati and Cleveland earlier in the season. But this is a big loss for them to take to Pittsburgh, uh, who gets a solid performance out of George Pickens, who is on my bench, although wouldn't have helped this weekend, would not have helped. The New England Patriots are officially dead. They might be a bottom five team in the league, which we haven't said since 2000. They get shut out at home by the New Orleans Saints, 34 to nothing, an embarrassing loss. Their fan base is in shambles right now. And I just kind of love it because it all comes around eventually, right, in the sports yeah. world. Do you reckon it, uh, Belichick starts thinking about the door? Well, that's, I think he's not thinking, but I think people are starting to push him out the door there. Wow. Yeah. You be, it's everyone says, Oh, I could just let's just win one, and then I don't care what they do after that. But once you become accustomed to winning, you yes. just want to do it again and again, right? It's it's not, it's not, there's no grace period in sports. Um, Bill will never leave, like, he'll never get fired because of what he's done, but he'll definitely get asked to leave. Yeah. And I could see that happening sooner rather than later. He's only 18 wins from all-time wins record as a coach as well in the NFL. So if he leaves, I, I could see him moving on to another team. Mm -hmm. Detroit Lions, team that no one expected to be uh, where they are just based on their franchise and cursed history. They are rolling right now. Four and one with a big win over the Carolina Panthers. Now, not an incredible team to beat Carolina, but an important game to crush a team that you should beat. And the Lions did that. Kansas City Chiefs have another close call. Travis Kelsey rolls his ankle, comes back, scores a touchdown, much to the delight of all Swifties. And, uh, and the Chiefs beat the Vikings to keep their season going. Denver Broncos fans despair if it wasn't high enough. That's uh, how we were past rock bottom. Yeah, well, we came back. They 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 climbed on top of the rock at the bottom because mm. they beat the Bears, and then a friggin' jet flew by and imploded them into a million pieces underneath the rock again. Uh, had a chance to come back in the Jets game, fumble by Russell Wilson gets picked up, returned for a touchdown. They lose by ten. Yeah, it, we're done. I already said it three weeks yeah. ago, but I'll continue to say we're done. I might just stop mentioning them for the rest of the year. How about that? We'll take them out of this, this segment. And then the San Francisco 49ers put the absolute beat down on the Dallas Cowboys. This was the premier match. This was the one everyone was circling. Uh, this was going to be 1A, 1B in the NFC. And 
it, it was not even close. 42 to 10, I believe, was the final score, or 20. And, and San Francisco just out-physicaled Dallas on both sides of the ball. Defense was better. Offense was perfect. Brock Purdy has entered the MVP conversation as a, as a Mr. Irrelevant last pick in the draft. Um, is 12-0 and 0 as a starter in games where he doesn't leave with an injury. And really, really impressive stuff from San Francisco. Christian McCaffrey, if not Brock Purdy, he should be the front runner right now in the MVP conversation. He scored a touchdown in 14 straight games, <laughs> which wow. is unheard of from a running back. So really fun week in the NFL. Packers, Raiders underway. But we will talk about that next week as we hand it over here to finish up with some tennis. Well, one name that I have definitely mentioned plenty this year that I wanted to dwell a little more on is Yannick Sinner, uh, who has really had a breakout year, solidifying his spot in the top 10, winning more tournaments and going to the year-end finals for the first time in his career. So let's wind back the calendar and just talk through the majority of the success he's had this year. Uh, first time I remember mentioning his name, O was keeping my eye on the small tournaments that come about after the Australian Open. He was able to win a 250 level event in Montpellier, France, and then go on winning all the way to the finals at Rotterdam, where he lost to Daniel Medvedev. That was good enough, though, for an eight-match win streak, which uh, helped bolster the confidence and saw him make a semifinals run to Indian Wells, where he lost to Carlos Alcaraz. Uh, and then the really big push for him, I think, came directly after that in Miami, where he meets Alcaraz again in the semis. And this time he's able to get the win in a grueling long match where he's able to kind of physically outlast Alcaraz while they're both playing some incredibly high quality, consistent tennis. He again goes and loses to Daniel Medvedev in the finals, but that finals appearance is good enough to push him into the top 10. That's the second time he in his career he reaches it. He had sat briefly at the number nine spot in 2021. Uh, and from there, he was able to distinguish. Uh, after a quiet clay season, didn't get a lot done there. Still a facet of his game to add to. Uh, at the grass, though, he improved on last year's uh, run, which saw him take out Alcaraz. As a side note, that Miami win over Alcaraz was also huge just because it had been a budding rivalry in 2022. But Alcaraz wins the most important match uh, between them so far at the US, that US Open semifinal. And then uh, with the Indian Wells victory, it seemed like it could be going more lopsided onto Alcaraz's way. So that Miami one for Sinner, really important to reassert himself. Uh, he's talked about how right now Alcaraz's biggest rivalry is Djokovic because he's not having the same consistency at the biggest events. Even if he in the head-to-head -head, he's doing well against Alcaraz, Sinner is. Um, nonetheless, just to even be in that position, that Miami win was huge. And I know for a lot of fans, that's the best rivalry in tennis right now. And that Miami one was a spectacular way to ensure that. Anyway, uh, follows up last year's Wimbledon run with of a win over Alcaraz and being up two sets to nothing against Djokovic in the quarters. Runs into Djokovic in the semis. Straight set loss, though. 
and then wins the most points. He has won at a single event right after in Toronto, winning the Masters 1000 trophy. If you had to put one knock on that performance, it's that there's no top 10 wins in that run, taking out guys like Tommy Paul, Alex Diemenauer on his way to the finals, um, who've been great players this year, but maybe not the star power you'd want to see on the run. Uh, after that U.S. Open lost to Zverev, he's able to write that and get some big names and a title in Beijing last week. Oh, first he beats Carlos Alcaraz again, adding another page in that rivalry we just discussed. And then for the third time this year, he faces Daniel Medvedev in the finals. And this time he's finally able to get a win, break an 0-7 head-to-head record, win 500 points, and put himself very, very close to locking up that fourth spot for the Turin year-end ATP finals, which he did this week by making it into the second or third round at Shanghai. Uh, where he's now slotted to face Ben Shelton in the fourth round at some point before this podcast is goes up. So just been a phenomenal year for Sinner. He sits, I think, fourth or fifth in the overall rankings, fourth in the live rankings, will go to the year-end finals for the first time in his career, uh, has been to a Grand Slam semi-final for the second time it just he he hits the ball so viciously on the backhand and forehand can get an advantage in almost any rally has such comfortable and fluid balance to make him such a great serve returner he's relatively younger and newer to the game than most players so you feel like there's more uh, potential for him to uncover and unearth the serve is great you know it's probably going to get better. There's a lot to like to this kid's game. Top five player in the world right now. We'll see how long he can hang on to it. Um, there have been a lot of these great runs, but there have also been periods and times where he's been less active and less present. And so there's still a lot of areas for him to tap into and grow in his game as well. I think he's very deserving of all the hype he's getting. And uh as we've just gone over, it's been a fantastic year for Yannick Sinner and looking forward to seeing how he does at Shanghai. For once, he's not in the same half of the draw as Alcaraz, so maybe they're two of the best players left. We could see them play a finals, which uh, their rivalry is certainly deserving of. Mm. Very exciting stuff. Not exciting, Blue Jays. They don't get any time today. We'll 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 go back for baseball in a bit. Uh, Phillies. Shocking the world up to nothing on the Atlanta Braves, I believe. Now, the the Rangers also taking down the one seed in the Orioles, they're up to nothing in that series. So, uh, baseball fun but tough when your Toronto team lets you down again. Well, <laughs> NHL, NBA just kicking off, so new chances for new Toronto teams to let us down in new ways. Looking forward to getting that bread and butter bit of the sports calendar into full swing. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. Hope you're looking forward to the puck drop in on the NHL regular season. We'll be here to talk all that and break it down, but till next time sports next door signing out. I had a timer going. We weren't close. Okay. And Arsenal won this weekend against man city. Hey, come on you gunners electric stuff that's nice yeah
All right. Good one. Yeah, good one. See you next Monday, sir. See you.